This episode of the podcast is brought to you by convincing Zach to take out a substantial life insurance policy out on himself and then convincing him to leave it all to me. For no reason at all, Zach. Hmm? For no reason at all. Oh, I'll just do it for whatever. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast, the only podcast that has a pretty decent opening scene shot I guess it whatever sets up for the movie or yeah. whatever i'm frank i'm zach and today we are talking about our favorite opening shots slash scenes we'll, mm. we'll 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 do a twofer okay whether it's the the very very first shot of the movie or just the first uh whatever few minutes essentially of the of the film uh it's very loose we don't it's fine whatever doesn't mm. matter uh but I think there's a, a, a short conversation to be had before we jump right into it about mm. the importance of the opening shot slash it opening scene. It sets the tone for the entire it movie. It does. And granted, obviously, you know, movies that... It's, it's something that I always consider, something that I always think about, especially like in my writing, is that the opening shot, the opening scene needs to be... It needs to hook the audience member, in my yeah. opinion. I think those first few minutes are really kind of detrimental to if the audience member is really uh, going to be locked in and wants to understand what's going to unfold yeah. for the duration of the rest of the film. I think that obviously there are movies that in genres that don't really require that, but I always think about the films that I love the most tend to have really iconic or really substantial or extremely uh, exhilarating, whatever it may be, opening shots or scenes. Mm-hmm. There, it's what it's what locks you in. It's the thing that makes you be like, "Where are we going to go from here?" Um, so, I don't know if you have anything else to add to that. But no, I mean, it literally is like the thing that will determine whether or not like you're you're hooked on the movie or like you're ready to watch it. And that that's not fully to say that like you know. You can't like slow burn into a film, but mm-hmm. it's like, my God, like the the first few minutes are literally there to get you excited for the film. Yeah. Like imagine like going to see like how we went to see the Green Knight and didn't get like that montage in the beginning of like sitting on the throne and the flames coming up from the crown. Yeah. It's like, and it was just like, oh, like walking through like the city. Like yeah. it wouldn't have had the same impact. Right. Exactly. And it's so, it's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for for there to be like a real kind of consideration as to what the first few minutes of this movie or of a movie are going to be. Mm. Um, it's something that I don't know if I think that like the films that I tend to lean towards, like you can tell that the, that, that the director really cares mm-hmm. and you can be like, OK, this guy is this person is really, really um uh, feels extremely obligated to make it worth it, right? Make make your ticket price worth it. Yeah, I I realize like a lot of mine are more on the darker side. I think all mine are mm. for the most part. Eh, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. What does that say about our psyches? It's just it's just I don't know why I always gravitate towards dark and mm-hmm. melancholy fi- uh, uh, films. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, melancholy is an like opening scene. <laughs> That's pretty cool. It is, but why is the rest of the movie shit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, Zach, you want to start us off with your first pick? Also, yeah. these are not like, I don't know, for me anyway, these are not like my top five of all time. These are just some of my favorites that I did. These are just some that I love. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll get the obvious one out of the way first. Star Wars New Hope. 
the opening scene where it's like after like that the first time with Star Wars that you've ever seen where it's like the 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 rolling down credits of like this is the story so far ex- exposition exposition and then you get that shot of like just space you get like the planet and the moon behind it and it's like okay this is what we're in for one it's a beautiful shot and then boom you get like a ship flying and then you get a massive star destroyer like just taking up the entire screen following it shooting at it and it's like between you and me i think zach is a fucking nerd well uh, yeah you know what like probably (laughs) it's never been confirmed yet (laughs) but um but it was just like such an iconic scene for me like especially growing up where it's like you know this was the the thing where it's like i knew about like star trek and it's like star trek is more of like the oh we're going to talk about everything we're going to like we're going we're gonna to discuss and political and then within like the first like minute of star wars you get like a battle happening in space and you're like okay we're thrust into this like something's going on like here's the battle here's what's happening you don't know what side is on what side yet you don't understand like who's the bad guys who's the good guys you haven't even met darth vader yet so it's like you don't know but it's like it's just it was like that scene of like quiet space empty and then boom fighting battle yeah that got me yeah uh yeah you kind of were talking a little bit of shit to me uh before we did this about you're like i think i know three of your movies yeah uh Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to start off with the one that you might know, uh, the, that you might potentially know. I don't know if you're going to know the rest of these. Um, and I didn't like specifically choose any of these to try to outsmart you. These are just ones that I immediately thought of. But And I don't want to – I'm not going to spend too much time. I, you kind of were like, yeah, let's get this one out of the way. That's kind of this one for me, mm-hmm. uh, especially just because we literally just spoke about the film, but A Clockwork Orange. It is on my list it, as well, so like it'll it, – it, 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 Rewatching it and, and doing it in the last episode mm-hmm. really, truly made me realize just how incredible – incredibly powerful of a opening shot it is because it tells you so much exactly and and the reason why i didn't want to dive too far into it in the last episode is because i knew i was going to kind of unpack it here Mm -hmm. so uh let's let's talk about it yeah because like it it was one of my picks too like it's just like from that very first shot and like you get like that smirk like that evil face on him yeah and it's like to have it from right there and then pan out into like what's going on in the world yeah it was just so cool. Like, it's it's one of those scenes where it's, like, in the opening shot, like, you really, really get, like, everything that you need. And on top of it, you have such a a, a musical, like, eargasm that is oh, happening. Yeah. The music in Clockwork Orange is so good. And that opening shot and that music playing and, and it makes it makes Alex feel so menacing yes and it makes you almost feel it, not almost it makes you feel very uncomfortable mm-hmm. the way that he's just looking at you and then on top of that it makes you even more uncomfortable because you're seeing where he's hanging out mm-hmm. and that place makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, for the longest time, I was like waiting. I was like, are these actual Real people? people? Yeah, right? like just yeah. sitting there. Absolutely. And I almost feel like that could have been really cool to oh, do. Yeah. And it would have just been like another element, but it also wouldn't be realistic. Yeah. But like, it doesn't, it, whatever. It would have been, it would have been <laughs> cool though. Um, But like that, that area that they hang out with at this milk bar is so, it, it, it feels like, oh, this is where where 
the this is like a hole in the wall cool place where yeah. where we hang out and and it's like oh you're hanging out in New York City and it's like underground mm-hmm. where you only know about it if somebody tells you about it's, it it's, it's like speakeasy. a easy yeah i was going to say it's like a creepy speakeasy yeah and when you pull out and you start seeing these tables of naked women kind of doing like uh, a crab uh, uh, pose. crab walk yeah, yeah like a crab walk pose and, and it's two of them together and, and you use their stomachs as as the tabletop mm-hmm. and you get the milk by um, by out of their out of their nipple out of, and, and it's just so uncomfortable yeah. and then especially like when it gets later in the movie where you see like the people in the suit and ties and like mm-hmm. the women dress and like they're and it's all like why very, are they here yeah and but it's like oh that's just it's just it's so uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but yeah, that opening shot of looking at Alex's face and, and that smirk that he has, and he's got like the eyelash mm-hmm. and the makeup and the top hat. Yeah. Cause and you don't then, realize at first, like that they all have like a distinct look to them. Yeah. It's just so, it's so, um, it's such a incredible opening shot because it really, really truly sets the tone for what the rest of the film is. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the movie disappoints. No, absolutely not. So, uh, I guess I chose another one of yours. So I'll go again. Yeah. Or do you want to go? No, you can go ahead. Okay, um, pick the one that I think I know. Uh, that was the one that I thought you would have known. The oh. rest of them, I don't know if you're gonna know. Um, so, <laughs> so my next one is I don't know if you've ever seen this film. Mm-hmm. Um, it is 1965's uh, "For a Few Dollars More" by Sergio Leone. Yeah, the uh, Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah, so it's part of the Dollars trilogy mm-hmm. that isn't really a Dollars trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is, but it isn't. It is, but it isn't. Um, it's one of my favorite opening shots of all time. It's so funny because, but it also really sets the tone because it's a Western and it's uh, it's an opening shot of a guy on a horse really, really, really far away kind of riding in and you're on top of like a little like like hill or a mountaintop mm-hmm. and you're looking at him and I mean, he's so small. He's like a little speck and he's kind of slowly getting a little bit closer and inching his way while riding the horse and you kind of hear like whistling and kind of like some rustling happening mm-hmm. but like kind of like on the side of the camera and then a gunshot goes off. You see the, you see the plume of smoke right mm-hmm. by the camera and the guy falls off the horse and... The horse kind of runs away and then stands over to the side and just kind of grazing on the grass. And then they just roll the credits over that. Like the opening <laughs> credits are just this dead guy and this horse. And it's just like so fucking funny to me that, but it's a really good tone setter of like, this is the West and the West is dirty and not always fair. And if you, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you might just get shot. And then life kind of just goes on Mm-mm. and there's just a dead guy in the field and it's just starring Clint Eastwood and he's just <laughs> dead in the middle of the field. It's so funny to me. It always makes me laugh. Um, and every time I show it, uh, to somebody, they always go, is this really the opening shot? Mm-hmm. Is this the opening scene? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it is. That's funny. <laughs> what was it? Like Nightcrawler or something that like had a very similar thing where it's like, oh, like just somebody laying down on the floor. I don't remember. Oh, it was Logan. I think like he's just passed out on the floor and then like, they're just showing everything. I don't remember Logan. Uh, if, if that's the opening shot to Logan, I don't think it was Nightcrawler though. Definitely not. Maybe Logan potentially. Mm. Uh, Zach. All right. My next one. Yeah. Um, I think I love this movie. I don't... I fucking... I keep going back and forth with it. But, like, the opening shot for Blade Runner always gets me. Like, the original Blade Runner. Which version? Well, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> fucking... Because there's, like, 1,200 of them. Um, but I also kind of want to group, like, 2049 in there as well. Okay. Because it's just a gorgeous opening shot as well. Like, so... 
So Blade Runner, obviously, like, they do, like, the whole monologue of, like, you know, this is what happens, like, replicants, and they're the Blade Runners, and they go out and, like, they kill them and whatnot. And then first shot you get of the original one is, like, just the city, and it's completely black. And then you get, like, the weird, like, fire that's coming up from, like, certain buildings. Yeah. And then you get to see, like, a little bit of it, and you see, like, how dark and dreary, like, the city is. Like, how it's, like, this is supposed to be the future, but at the same time, too, it's so dark and abysmal. Yeah. And, like, you get, like, the the flying car coming down at that point. Um, and then the contrast to that, which I thought was really interesting, was 2049, where it's, like, the... Is that the one? Is that with Dave Bautista? No, the opening shot. No, like the the actual opening shot of like the the little girl's eye, and it's like that kind of like um like light blue, like oh, hazel. Right, yeah, and then that immediately merges into California, but it's like this like weird all white, like these pods that are like in circular form of like an eye. Yeah, and then you still get the uh the flying car that comes down yeah and then you get like the whole thing with batista right that's a great scene though. It is. like a, I, yeah my god i never thought like i would care so much about batista's acting before <laughs> but man that was a good one um but it was just such a cool thing of like the contrast of like so dark and abysmal of the first one and such such like a noir and then the second one where it's like everything's so much lighter and brighter but it's still like dark Gar- and gritty and, and, and it's like and it's gross. a mystery and a crime that they're solving yeah yeah, I I really like twenty forty nine so much. It's just so, so much more than than the original too. <laughs> I think I like the original. I uh, gotta see which version is actually good to me. <laughs> All right, so my next pick is um, not my most recent one. My most recent one kind of came in right at the, right at the end, and I was like, yeah, I gotta include this as well. But mm-hmm. uh, up until this point, this was my most recent one, which was uh, Wes Craven's nineteen ninety six horror comedy Scream. Yeah, man. I I was looking into like a bunch of like the first opening shots of things, and Scream was always like such a fun one because it's like I love Scream so much. Do you actually? Oh my god, you don't like Scream? I like one and two. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking <laughs> about. I'm talking about one. One yeah. is incredible. One is so fun. It is it is a slasher, but it's a slasher that doesn't take itself too seriously. And Wes Craven, in my opinion, is firing on all cylinders on it. And it's, of course, Drew Barrymore, which is the old bait and switch of, oh, she's going to be the lead actress in this movie. And then dies. And then dies immediately within the first 10 minutes of the film. And and it's so well done because... What's your you, favorite you, scary movie? Because you understand everything about it. You understand that it's a movie that obviously isn't taking itself too seriously. But mm. also, when the blood is going to flow, it's really going to flow. And it's funny. It's comedic. It's... It is pretty scary, actually. And and then by the end of it, when she's dead and she's kind of like hanging out there, it, it's just and she it looks it's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um. But it's it's just such an iconic, iconic opening shot and opening scene of a film that really does set the tone for the rest of the movie because it's essentially a hangout film that with with characters that I adore. I it it feels like you're going to hang out with your friends when you watch that movie, even though they're all scumbags. Yeah, no. Um, but, but I mean, it, yeah, like there's something weird about Scream where it's like they captured fucking lightning in a bottle, and then I didn't see the 2022 version. I heard it's very good. Um, I didn't either. I know that the show was actually like kind of decent. I enjoyed the show for Did what you? it was. I didn't take it too seriously, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, let me see what it is, and it is very much. Mm-hmm. 
it very much feels like an MTV produced show. So it kind of feels like, oh, everybody's so good looking and everybody's so attractive. And that aspect of it is whatever. Yeah. But for what it is, which is just a fun slasher and for it being on network, excuse me, I'm being on network television. You get some pretty good gore, and you get some pretty cool deaths. I know and, the mask looks cool. Yeah, and the mask is kind of cool looking. It's a you know, it's an interesting take on it, and and there's a bit of a uh, uh, of a of a story with some with with a mother and a daughter, and and it again, it's not perfect. It's very much like a popcorn thing. Mm-hmm. I don't take it too seriously, but I remember enjoying it a lot when when I watched it. Okay. I don't th- I don't think that I think it got canceled though, so that yeah. you never got like a conclusion, which kind of blows, but. Um, for what it was, it was it was a fun it was a fun little TV show. Yeah. Side note, whatever, because uh, kind of in the same realm with like the TV show Riverdale, I've heard like crazy fucking things about. Like it started out with like a murder show, and now all of a sudden they're like fighting like cultists with superpowers. Oh wow! I, I've never watched Riverdale, but again, it seems very much like oh everybody's super attractive and yes. it's very just. It's just whatever. It's just a whatever mm. show, but maybe it's good. I don't know. Oh, but yeah, I don't, um, I don't really like that style of TV, like that, M- like that yeah. hyper, uh, like when Teen Wolf and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, like came that out. is not my kind oh, yeah. of show at all. But uh, I don't know. At the end of the day, just because everyone's attractive and good looking, if the story's good, then it doesn't matter. So exactly. Potentially, something I might watch. Yeah, yeah. Scream works. Love um, Scream. One that like, because because it's weird because like Scream could almost feel like its own like little like, uh, like short film. Like, with that beginning, mm-hmm. um, my next pick kind of has, like, the same effect. But, like, the beginning shots of Jaws. Oh, um, right, yeah. When, I didn't think about Jaws. Yeah, like, the, the girl is, like, running out on the beach, and it's, like, like dawn or whatever, and, like, goes out into the water. And then you get, like, the shots of, like, her swimming, but, like, you're from underneath. So it's, like, you see her, and, and the music is just starting to swell, like, that... that iconic music for jaws um and you get like everything coming and then like her getting to try and like come up out of the water and then like being jerked around and it's like her screaming and trying to get out and like yelling and then you see the fin and then like her finally being taken under and then you see all the red right and it's like it's just like like a a great opening shots for the film where it's like it really sets the tone for it's like this is what the movie's about like this is a shark in the water that is gonna murder you, <laughs> and it just works. Like at the time, like it it made everyone so afraid to go in the ocean. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, like, if I watch it, it'll still make me afraid to go in the ocean. Yeah. Bob's Burgers did a pretty fun. Uh, oh, with the with yeah the electronic shark that like, goes <laughs> and then it goes like well, under the. Ah, you got my girdle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty fun one. I actually re I just a side note. I actually rewatch. I not rewatched. I I watched. Uh, the Bob's Burgers movie. Yo, me too. It was fun. I yeah, liked I, it. I had I had some good times. Yeah, with it. I liked it. It wasn't as musical as I wanted it to yeah, be. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like Bob Burgers is so like iconic for their music, <laughs> similar to like Family Guy and whatever. Yeah. Like they they go all they go really hard with like these like big like orchestral things mm-hmm. and, and and it was whatnot. only like three songs in the movie. Yeah, but it was still fun. Like, yeah, I had a good time with it. Yeah, I, everything like with Gene, I always love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, my second to last pick is a movie that you don't really care for that much. And 
I understand why, and I and I totally get it. Is it Drive? No. Oh. Is uh, it La La Land? No. Oh, I, think uh, I like La La Land now. It, it's you do right. Yeah, you fucking scumbag. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it is 2017's Mother by Darren Aronofsky. And oh yeah. While you may not love the movie itself, I still think that the opening scene is and and shot is very very good, where. You get the woman on fire, and you're mm. looking into her eyes, and then you have, um, you have God, yeah. putting the crystal back on back in its place, and then the home rebuilding itself. Yeah. And I always love a film that, for whatever reason, you, the first shot and the last shot are essentially the same thing. Yeah, it all like, comes full circle. I like that because it's like in context at the end. You're like, oh, okay, we're basically restarting the film. Right, exactly. So it, you, you've you created a film where it's like it's, it's, it, it's in its own timeline because it's like as soon as it ends, it just resets. And then you could potentially watch it from that point again. Exactly. So... It's just something that I that I that I absolutely love about it. I thought it was such a such a um, a cool and powerful moment, and and it does kind of set the tone because she gets kind of reborn in bed, and it's just a different girl this time. Yeah, and and Mother Earth is just reset, and 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 she's gone through such a horrific and traumatic thing, and eventually, you know, it breaks, and then it's a rebuilding, mm-hmm. and uh, and that is essentially what the film is about while also having these like really heavy and whatever, you know, on the nose, I will, I will admit Mm. um, religious themes, but, but still the opening shot of it, I still think is really, really good. And I think that it, um, it it really sets the tone for what the movie eventually kind of leads into. Mm. So screw you. I like it. All right. You know what? My next pick, (laughs) your final one, right? Uh, or do you have one more after it? I have one more. I'll I'll throw I'll throw one of mine into like the uh, the honorable mentions okay. portion of it. Um, Apocalypse Now, opening shot of like, what is it? Vietnam? Yeah, like yeah. the um like the forest, and then just boom, explosions like missiles being dropped. Everything's on fire. The the fucking the best song to pair it with the end by the Doors. It just works so well and like to drop it at that point too where you understand immediately this is a war film. Like you but I don't think you understand at that time which like it's a very different war film. <laughs> yeah. Like this is a very psychological war film. Yeah. As opposed to we're going out there and we're gonna fight them. Yeah. Um and like to get like that. I think it's like three minute scene of basically that and then overlapping. This is the end. <laughs> it's so good. I can't say the rest. <laughs> it's so good. That's all we get. <laughs> um but what was his name? Like uh Martin Sheen? Yep. Yeah. Uh and then getting like the overlap of his face and then you get like the, the propeller from like the the, the helicopter, fan. but then it's the yeah. ceiling fan making that sound. Yeah. It just works so well and it's it's such like an iconic opening shot, I think. Yeah, it's a it's an iconic opening shot with a truly iconic movie, uh, with a Harrison Ford, right? He's yeah, in he's in that for, for like, like a brief like three minutes. <laughs> I don't know why, but like it's because at that point, like he was actually like somebody. Yeah, but you know, fuck it, might as well just get Harrison Ford for two minutes. Yeah. Also, Francis Ford Coppola in that movie, one of my favorite cameos. Yeah. Um. All right. So my last film. 
Zach, Zach, Zach. It's in Glorious Bastards. It's not in Glorious Bastards. Are you, you fucker? <laughs> you keep bullshit. It's not in Glorious you Bastards. You didn't even put that in. I again, these are not my top five of all time, and it's such like a, an obvious choice. How would, well, yeah, but how would you not even be like, yeah, I gotta mention this at some point. That's somewhere. an honorable mention. It was an honorable mention because I'm I'm, I'm disappointed in you. Be, Zach, it's you've such said a, before it's an obvious choice. Yeah, I've talked about in ad nauseum how much I love it and how iconic it is, and how I think it's one of the greatest things of all, of all time, and I still think that. But I've mm. I've talked about it so much that mm. I, I can't just keep including it in everything that I do. It's like it's like me talk. It's like me sitting down with you and being like, "Hey, you ever see there will be blood?" It's like, <laughs> yeah, obviously we've seen there will be blood. You stupid fuck. Mm. Like, let me let me breathe. Let me let me talk about a one that I also feel very very passionate passionately about. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I I don't know if you even know what this movie is or ever even heard of this film. Um, but it's, Blue Velvet. No, it's one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, it's a movie that I don't talk about very often because uh people that i know don't don't even like know who this guy is or anything Mm -hmm. about it um but it's a it's a movie called eight and a half i've heard of this um uh, by a guy named federico fellini um came out in 1963 Mm -hmm. it is it is a nightmare a literal nightmare because it's a dream sequence uh and it is one of the most uncomfortable f- opening scenes. I, I don't know what it is. I think that uh, Fellini really captures what it feels like to be in a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Because it's basically an opening sh- uh, an opening scene of a guy sitting in a car. And he's kind of like at a and like gridlock. He's completely in just locked into traffic, and there's school buses and people and 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 everywhere. And everyone's just sitting in their car. And he's looking. He's kind of like looking around, and there's all of these people just sitting in their cars, staring back at him. Mm. And then smoke starts coming in from like the vents of his car, and he can't get out. And he's like struggling to breathe. And while he's trying to get out, there's like. It just like cuts to like a guy, like an old man with like a very young, beautiful woman, and they're like making out. And he's like touching her breasts, and there's like, and then it cuts to like a, a like a um, what do you call it? A uh, like a tourist bus, like mm-hmm. one of those kind of like double stack buses, and it's got like all of these women's heads sticking out, but you only see the back of their heads. And then it cuts back to him trying to get out of the, uh, out of the car, and he can't. And then it cuts back to the bus, and it's just like their arms sticking out of the windows mm. and it's it's like very very bizarre stuff and then it ends up getting where he he gets out of the car and he's standing kind of like on top of another vehicle and he's got like this black drench coat on and a black bowler's hat and he's like floating and the way that he's got his arms stretched out he looks very horrific and he ends up on a uh flying through the sky and he's at, he, he's like above a beach, mm. and he's got his he's got a um a string attached to to his leg like a kite like he's like he's a, a kite flying in the sky, and then he falls and and he and he just plummets down um into the ocean and then it like and then you wake up mm. and it's shot so well and done so incredibly um effectively and you're this sitting is, there this is an older film too right sixty three yeah. yeah so it's it's. So ahead of its time in that sense. It's so bizarre. And you're just like, this was made in 1963. (laughs) It's so cool. And it's one of my favorite films of all time. And I think that we should do it at some point. Um, But it's, 
it's it's similar to like a like a Clockwork Orange where it's like all right, we got to dedicate some real time to this. Yeah. It's long and it's, but it's it's so iconic and and uh, Fellini just is one of the most iconic Italian director directors ever. So um, we should do him justice at some point. Mm-hmm. But if you've never seen the at least just the opening act or the opening shots of, of Eight and a Half, I would highly recommend just sitting mm-hmm. down and watching it because I do think that it'll make you uncomfortable mm. and like claustrophobic and, and it's like wow this is really does feel like a true true nightmare maybe when we ever uh decide to do like that international month yeah yeah exactly so uh that's something that we've been planning is to do international films we could do we could do eight and a half mm. um the italians make movies very differently than us especially yeah. at that time i've seen zombie it's very different from like uh from night of the living dead that and also like the way that they would fucking make movies was they would essentially like get they'd be like oh okay i'm an italian director uh we're gonna get american and spanish and italian and french actors who Mm -hmm. all who none of them speak the same language and we're gonna go shoot this in spain and uh we're gonna not film any audio yeah so we're just gonna shoot it and then we'll just bring it back and overdub the entire movie (laughs) so like that's very much like what happened with the good the bad and the ugly Mm -hmm. and all of those like kind of spaghetti westerns and whatnot is just like the italians just made movies very oddly back in the day <laughs> so like everybody they did what they could i guess but like it was just so strange that it's like oh okay i'm i'm english and i'm speaking to a guy who only speaks french Mm-mm. so we're doing this dialogue back and forth but i don't know what you're saying and you don't understand me and then they just overdub it in english or for whatever whatever region it gets released in yeah very very bizarre so that alone will kind of like maybe put you off a little bit but if you get past like the overdubbing it's a really cool movie and it's very um conceptual it's really cool nice um so uh, honorable mention was Glorious Bastards, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, what was what was the one that you were gonna do? Uh, I have two. So one of them is the um, the opening shot for uh, Dark Knight with um, Heath Ledger's Joker, like oh, yeah, standing right. hunched over with like the mask. the clown mask. Yeah. Um, and then Gone Girl. I fucking love the opening <laughs> shot of that, where it's like you really aim- like Gone Girl, but, ah, man. Like the it's, it's a- so nuts, <laughs> and like the context of like. <laughs> Amy looking up in the first shot and then Amy looking up in the last shot. Yeah. Like completely different spectrums. And I loved that. I loved where it's like, oh, you think that like Ben Affleck's character is going to like murder her. And then by the end of it, you're like, no, she's fucking nuts. She's the psycho. She'll probably murder him. Yeah. It's uh, it's a really, really uh, good movie. And I'm, I, you never saw that, right? Like you watched that for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an iconic film. It's, it's just. He he's just the best. Mm-hmm. I love I love him. So, um, okay. So I have a recommendation. It's kind of a bizarre recommendation, only because I can't believe that I didn't know about this until uh, a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to a guy. I went to like a little a little shindig, and uh, I was talking, of course, to a guy, and we ended up talking about movies, obviously, because that's yeah. all I talk about. Um, and uh, he was like, he was like, Frank, are you on Letterboxed? And I was like, "What's?" I was like, "No, I don't know what that is." And he was like, uh, it, "It's it's a it's a social media app, but it's all tailored for movie lovers. It's a basically like you sit down and you you create like a, what you've watched, what you're currently watching. You can rate movies, you can add each other, so you you and your friends can know like what what each other's are watching. So kind of like what reviews. we were talking about like a couple weeks back of like a film group. Well, no, well not not well I guess kind of, but I mean this is just an app. It's mm. literally like." Uh, but it's only for movies, and and again, like you're not having. From what I can tell, I'm very new to it. So mm. from what I can tell, it's it doesn't seem like there's 
that kind of community. It's more or less just you can read people's reviews of movies. You mm. can follow some people that you like, and uh, and the, and you can just kind of show what you're watching, what you have watched, and you can kind of give it a rating. And if you liked it, and if you didn't like it, whatever. Um, but I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, I like. I think it's. I think it's cool. I think it's fun. It's just. Uh, it's something that I've. I've never heard of, and I'm like shocked that I never heard of this mm. before. Um, and then of course I find out about it, and then three days later, like things on YouTube popping up are like ranking your letterbox most like you know whatever like your favorite top four films or whatever like because you can you can Mm kind of put like your staples in there like these are these are kind of like if you if if you know me then you know that this movie is like one movie that i love and this movie is a movie that i love Mm -hmm. um and i guess that's a good way that you can kind of like understand like uh you you might be able to like build a whatever like a little friendship with people because you can be like oh we both have yeah these similar kind of fun like, we both enjoy these style of films obviously from your top picks and my top picks and then we you both kinda, love kung fu panda too whatever it is yeah so i don't know it's it's a it's a it's an it's an interesting app that i that i that i just downloaded that and that i'm kind of still learning but I, i'm enjoying it so far uh it's called letterboxd b-o-x-d not e-d um I thought it was just called Letterbox, and then it's just not. It's boxed with a D at the end. Um, so anyway, I recommend that. I think it's cool if you're a movie if you're a movie lover and a film lover. Uh, I think that it's kind of a a, a, a really really cool thing to have. Um, and that's all I got to say, Zach. Frank, what are we doing next? Um, speaking of Fellini and Bazaar and Art House and we're just gonna whatnot. do eight point. No, we're not gonna do eight and a half. Uh, not yet. Uh, we're going to do, I don't know if you've seen this film, actually. Um, we're going to do 1957's The Seventh Seal. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, you know what it is. You'll know what it is when, when you, when you look it up. Uh, and, uh, I don't think you've seen it though, but I'm I'm very excited to, to talk about it. It's a, it's a, it's, it's kind of like the OG iconic art house, like, Mm. Again, kind of like ahead of its time. Okay. Um. So look forward to that, Zach. Ah, Zach. Jesus Christ. Take us out. It's scaring me. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Now, Frank, roll the credits.